Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Kiara. I'm Megan. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Claudia. And we're going to the movies this summer. Uh, And for this episode, we went to see The Little Mermaid. Uh, It's been a while since we've done an episode, so it's fun that we're back and that our first episode back is we got a chance to go to the movies for work, which is nice. Um, So in this episode, we're going to discuss the themes that we saw in the film that remind us of the work that we do and how that new film compares to the one that we grew up with. And just as a warning, there are going to be spoilers for the new film as we talk about it, obviously, in this episode. So if you haven't seen it, go and watch that movie and then come back and listen to this episode. Little Mermaid was definitely my favorite Disney movie growing up. I remember seeing it in the screen when I was little, little. I'm not going to say the age. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I, I loved watching this new movie. It was very similar in the sense of like, you know, the overall, like what it looked like, uh, scene by scene in the sense, but uh, there were definitely things that I enjoyed more about this film. One of the things being I felt like the characters were a little bit more developed. I had a little bit more uh, interest in Eric and Ariel's relationship. I felt like there was a lot more depth to it this time around, and they really kind of developed their characters and their needs and wants a lot more. And I felt like I knew, especially Eric, I felt like we got to know Eric a little bit more in in the new movie, which I liked a whole lot. Uh, agreed what do y'all think yeah yeah the old one I'm like he has a dog and like pulled this recorder out of his pocket and that was like the most of what I learned about him yeah (laughs) yeah we actually got to see that he really is into exploring and seeing new worlds the same way that Ariel is so it felt like they had they actually had something in common and you could see like where their connection was they're both are explorers at heart and have a lot of bravery yeah, they're curious about what's out there outside of, like, the limited worldview that they got when they're at home, um, which is so important. I think something that we saw, especially in the new movie, because in the new movie, Eric has a mom versus in the old one, um, he doesn't have parents that are there in the film. Um, but they're both raised by single parents who want to keep them close to home, uh, meaning Eric and Ariel. And they bond over that of just wanting to explore new worlds and get away from their new their home environment, which is so nice. I feel like that's so important for youth to be able to have peers, whether it's a romantic interest or not, to have people that they share interest with. At first, it's really not a romantic interest for Ariel, that relationship, since she... The spell has her forgetting that she needs to kiss. Um, It gets to be about, like, what they actually have in common. Yeah, I really appreciated in the second one. The first one, I feel like, yeah, the entire time that she's interacting with Eric, she just has this overwhelming desire. Like, the main goal is for the two of them to kiss. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate in the second one that part of the spell was that that memory was removed she didn't even remember that they were supposed to kiss so the whole 
And we got to focus on her journey and her getting to explore and focus on like her adventurous side and the things that she truly was excited to learn and to see. And and I, I really appreciated that, that the their interactions were not just her focused on getting a kiss from Eric. Yeah, she actually got to experience like why she wanted to go to the world anyway and got yeah, to see herself. all the things that she learned about. Yeah, totally. One thing I thought was cool is how she quickly realized too when she was on land that she wasn't as free as she thought, which yeah. as, you know, adult women watching the film, it was like, oh yeah, you're not going to be that free on land, <laughs> especially in the time period that the movie was filmed. And that was the first thing that she experienced was like being shoved into a corset, having to put heels on and kind of realizing like, oh, there's prices to freedom here as much as there is, you know, in the ocean as well. That's a great point. And just like the, I also appreciate back to the kiss thing too, just the whole, the obsession over the kiss wasn't not being there and how in the, in that song, Kiss the Girl, which we all, which was one of my favorites, there's consent actually in the new one. Whereas in the, I don't remember exactly how it was worded. I think they said like, you don't need to say a word in the first one. Just, yeah. In the first one, it was don't say a word, just kiss the girl. But in this one, I think they actually worded it like you need to go on and ask her, which, you know. Even if she can't talk, she could still reply and she can still yeah. communicate, which they show in the film. Like, she still has ways of communicating. So Yeah, there was a lot of nonverbal consent between both of them that yeah. just true. wouldn't have really been as possible to communicate in animation. And I really like that they got to do the live action with the eye cues, with the body language, with all the subtleties that we evolved to be able to pick up that they that they utilize that since verbal communication wasn't her strength in that moment. I feel like that also compares to like sometimes when we're having conversations about consent with youth and I've heard them say like, I don't want somebody to ask me if they can kiss me. I want them to just do it because that's not hot or that doesn't make me feel like they want me. Um, but then I end up having a conversation with them of, uh, what's wrong with a person wanting to make sure that you're okay before they do something? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> so it's like nice in the song for them to be like, this could be awkward or uncomfortable, but also don't just go in and do it because what if she doesn't want it or what if they don't want it? Yeah. And I feel like the more it's normalized in media, the more normal it'll also feel for kids as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It feels awkward because we're not used to seeing it, right? Yeah. Like it only feels awkward because we made it awkward by not making it the norm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's awkward just because teens also, romance is so new to them. True. It just is automatically <laughs> awkward and nervous. And I feel like that's also really strongly conveyed in the movie. And I feel like the summation of them falling into the water is more like following that it was just going to be an awkward first kiss no matter what (laughs) not necessarily like it didn't have as much emphasis on the sabotage of it as much as it was just teen romance is cute because it's so uncomfortable yeah I appreciated too though I feel like and we'll talk about this more in this episode but just she was in a really vulnerable position and in several different ways and the fact that he was so, so respectful of her mm. and mm-hmm. so attentive and intentional, I feel like, with how he was um, really paying attention to her body language and those, like, nonverbal cues. And mm-hmm. I feel like the way that he treated her overall, um, I don't I don't know. I don't feel like that's often portrayed in media, that just 
that respect. Yeah, I love that. That's a good point. I also liked how, in general, in the 2023, the adults sort of had their own character arc. And we got to see them. They make mistakes, but we got to actually, like, I felt like in the newer one, we got to see them have that character arc where they got to self-reflect and be more accountable Mm -hmm. for their actions in the end. Whereas in the first one, it didn't seem like there was a lot of accountability. And they both, like, Triton and Sebastian specifically, both made efforts to do right by Ariel in the end of the film when they realized Mm -hmm. that they hadn't previously. Yeah, exactly. And King Triton... Ariel's dad, at the beginning of the movie, he really displays a lot of controlling and abusive behaviors. And we we mm-hmm. can understand, you know, there's the underlying motivation that he has fear and he wants to keep Ariel safe. Um, and he has this idea that if she is, you know, obeying him and does what he says and she'll remain safe and nothing bad will happen to her. But he really struggles with anger outbursts. And then you see this scene in both movies where he destroys her things. It really does show this like unequal power dynamic, this whole like I'm doing this for your own good and not allowing Mm -hmm. her to have the ability to make decisions for herself, um, practice her autonomy. And it really normalizes controlling and abusive behavior in relationships for her. And it and it's like a phrase we hear, right? Like, I feel like that's a phrase that's used. Like, this is for your own good. Like, totally. very, I feel like anytime someone's using that phrase, it's always in a dynamic where the, there's a power differential. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And it puts her in a really vulnerable position to not pick up on red flags from others, from other adults and other relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes her more vulnerable to abuse and relationships in the future, which we do see when it comes mm-hmm. to Ursula and how Ursula is, manipulates her. But yeah, she's not able to practice making decisions for herself under the guidance of a healthy parental figure. And he really puts her in kind of a desperate situation. Which you did mention that we saw that with her interactions with Ursula in both films that she, I think from my memory of the 1989, like the animated film, she just kind of happens upon Ursula as she's in the ocean um, and the eels bring her to Ursula and Ursula is talking to her and validating feelings that Ariel is having of like, there are a lot of people who are unhappy in this ocean. I know that they're telling you that everything's great down here, but there are a lot of quote unquote poor, unfortunate souls who are not happy with what's going on down here. And my role is to help them try to find happiness and whatever that is. So there's a number of red flags that she passes like skulls and other things of like people who clearly have died. Yeah. But for her, she's like, I. it seems like in both films, Ariel, Ariel kind of has this idea of like, I don't have anything to lose. And she yeah, she's is so telling desperate. me that, yeah, that Ursula's offering her a solution and listening to her and explaining to her what her options are. So yeah. Ursula's telling her, I can give you legs and you can go up on land, but you have three days and you have to kiss somebody. Otherwise you come back. And that seems like more information <laughs> than any other adult is giving her <laughs> yeah. in her life about what her options so are. True. It gives her the opportunity to make a decision. Yeah. So it's not really surprising. Mm-hmm. She's given choice. She's given validation. She's given a lot of things that she has not had yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From could, who could have been a healthy parental figure but instead she receives that from a very manipulative person who wants to use her for their own gain and she can't again like I said cannot spot those red flags or chooses to ignore them because of what has been normalized already 
Yeah, because Triton is her only parental figure up until she meets Ursula. And so she didn't have anything positive to compare it to. If she had something positive to compare it to, it would have been so obvious. Because it's obvious to us as viewers that she's clearly the villain. But it's not obvious to her because she didn't have anything really positive before. And she's kind of used to angry, controlling adults, right? Like, that's sort of what has been normalized for her. So it's not setting off any red flags like oh, she's scary because it's like her dad was scary. Totally. And um, imagine if her dad had been this person who empowered her to make her own decisions and helped guide her in some of these ways. She wouldn't have sought out any other alternative. She wouldn't have stumbled upon Ursula, like you said, or been able to be manipulated so easily because, yeah, it would have stood out to her a lot more that, oh, this isn't something that I want to get involved in because... She would have already had support and validation from her parent. In the newer updated film, um, her father does, Ariel's father does give her a little bit more information about Mm -hmm. why the humans are dangerous, that like they killed her mom and these things. But with Ursula, I do remember there was this point where Ariel says, you're not anything like my father says that you are. So in her head, she's probably like, well, my father is wrong about Ursula, so maybe my father is wrong about humans too. And maybe things will be okay for me to go up to the surface still because Ursula is telling me it's okay and I trust her. So maybe it's going to be okay. That's such a good point. And I feel like that's pretty common with youth, especially with like some of the other education that youth get. They're given the worst case scenario and they're not really given an example of how things end up that way. Yes. Um, they're just told... Uh, because I said so or don't do it because things are terrible and dangerous. And then when they have a little bit of an experience that's not terrible or dangerous, mm-hmm. then maybe for them, they're like, well, maybe all of that cautionary information that they gave me is not true because I didn't have the experience that they said I was going to have. And if you are talking about someone who's been abusive in the past and you're talking about the violence that they've committed but not talking about how they were charming and manipulative and very likable then that's not painting the whole picture so it's not actually being protective to communicate just one half of it and to your point Kiara to it in turn they become more and more distrustful of adult figures that should have been a trusting person for them when they, you know, see a different experience and they're like, oh, maybe what you said isn't actually true. So I'm not going to necessarily believe the warnings or the things that, you know, you say to me in the future. Yeah, which kind of highlights that Ariel had a different experience with Sebastian. Yeah. It was kind of just put upon her. He starts off as not really trusting her either and then just gradually becomes more empathetic as he spends time with her, sees that she's unhappy, he's listening to what she's wanting and what she's frustrated with. Um, He's the first one to really try to talk to her about why land is so dangerous. Um, He's talking, you know, the the line, fish on land aren't happy, they're in a bowl or on a plate. Um, (laughs) And that the fish in the bowl are lucky because the other ones die. Um, So he's trying to give her like an honest warning about what land means to ocean dwellers while also tapping into her natural curiosity uh, by talking about the ocean, what there is to love about the ocean and... And kind of give her a reason to 
stay that is in line with her values. But since she makes these other decisions, he does just end up supporting her while she deals with the consequences of her decisions and really gets to know her in a way that Triton hasn't and ultimately becomes the reason that Triton even supports Ariel because Sebastian advocates for her needs and for her happiness. And the fact that even King Triton trusts Sebastian with information about Ariel before he even goes to Ariel. So I think Sebastian at some point hints that like she's interested in like a guy and Triton goes to Sebastian and instead it's like you it seems like I don't know if Triton thinks that Sebastian is a more trusted adult or he's aware of the fact that like Ariel doesn't want to give him information whatever the reason is it's sort of I every time I watch that scene or the times that we watched it I was thinking like this question is for Ariel and not Sebastian why don't you go ask her this is a chance for you to bridge the gaps in your relationship to start building some of that trust so then she'll come and tell you information and not feel like she has to hide it when she goes to the surface or like hide all of the things that she collects from humans in this little room. There's a very specific moment that I feel like stands out to me after Sebastian witnesses the very like violent, you know, when Triton's breaking all of her stuff, that abusive moment. And then he witnesses what she experiences with Ursula and that abusive and manipulative moment. And he finally has this realization where he acknowledges that if she goes back to the ocean, she'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. And you see this like sense of relief the second he says like, oh, you'll be miserable if you go back there. He finally has this realization and her finally being like genuinely validated. There was, it was kind of this fake validation that she got from Ursula, but genuine validation from somebody from an adult that cares about her, there was this huge sigh of relief that somebody's finally listening to me, finally hearing me. And I feel like that is so true for teens and young adults to have adults who will genuinely listen to what they have to say and validate what they're saying. You can just, there's a huge sense of relief in that. Yeah, and advocate for them. Yes, so true. I could not stop thinking about the work we do and how important parents and supportive adults are in youth in the work that we do and how having this like open communication really is the catalyst that prevents so much abuse and just dangerous situations too like risky situations in general because there's an open dialogue versus um what we saw in the movie with ariel not being validated and making a lot of risky decisions uh i think it's seen a lot of times like in the when it comes to relationships and it's the same thing with frightened it's out of fear where parents might not explain Uh, fully their reasonings for maybe keeping their youth from doing something like for instance like you can't date until you're 16 while that might be based in very real fears about what we what they know about dating or what they think they know about you know what interests will be in their child but it's a missed opportunity to actually connect and discuss why because when you just give this like blatant like authoritarian like this is it no explanation you're cutting off the ability to have like a trusting connecting relationship with your child because it's a it's setting that precedent of like we don't talk about it so then if they they're less likely to bring these things up to you and figure out ways to do it behind your back I mean I remember when I was a teen my friends that had really strict parents they didn't not do the things they just didn't tell their parents about it which we know puts you in a you know much more dangerous 
situation. Um, and I think it can also be scary for parents too, because it's like they're trying to protect their kids. But I think in that fear, they have a tendency to even belittle their teen's feelings when it comes to uh, relationships and kind of discount like the importance of their teen's dating relationships and think like, you know, like, oh, you don't know what love is or that's just puppy love or like it's not a real relationship. I mean, these are all real things that we hear parents say. And that's not a real breakup. I yes. heard that from parents too. Yes. But it's their first or even if it's not their first, it still is new to them and important to them. I can guarantee you the feelings are not imaginary and they're still feeling the feelings and going through those experiences. And when you say things like, well, that's not real or that's not a big deal, it's a big deal to them, <laughs> you know, and you're invalidating them. Definitely. And it's it's such a good opportunity to l- allow kids to date when you, they have these like healthy parental roles to help them to help guide them through these relationships and through these feelings and through even difficult situations if they break up, you know, in their situations where parents say you can't date until you're 18 or till you're in college, they don't get to have the opportunity to experience some of these more difficult emotions and situations with guidance within the home. And they have to go out and just figure it out on their own, which doesn't set them up for success. Yeah, especially if the guidance that they're getting is from their friends yeah. or from Instagram or, or media, whoever's telling. Yeah, somebody's telling or from them. Or Yes. If somebody's telling you go through that person's phone or give up your voice so you'll have legs, I feel like there's a conversation that could be had here of like, or maybe there's another option where you don't have to lose your voice or you get wrong information, but you don't even know what's wrong information. Right. Not having honest, safe conversations with your kids sets them up to have unsafe, dishonest conversations with people who maybe care less about them. I know it's not easy. Like I'm I'm a parent, I have a few kids. Like these aren't easy conversations. They're, mine aren't quite teen yet, but I know it's not easy to set aside your fears because like I know you want to just protect your kids so much and it's the why is scary for parents to even say the why because the world yeah. is so scary, right? Like it's such a fright. There's so much you want to like protect them from. You don't even want them to know how dangerous the world is, but also wanting to protect them from the dangerous world. So I, I just want to recognize we're not saying this is easy because it's definitely not easy. There's a balancing act. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Because in the movie with Ariel, maybe her father didn't want to say they killed your mom or they he didn't want to say like, they might eat you or put you in a museum. Maybe he doesn't want her to know that that's a reality. He's just like, down here, I control the ocean and it's safe in the ocean and in my home. And I'm just letting you know that it's dangerous out there. And if you stay here, you won't get hurt. But then she's probably thinking like, what could possibly be hurting me? I go up there and they have like dogs and fireworks and it seems fine. (laughs) Totally. And like you mentioned, Megan, as far as um, them going to make uh, risky decisions regardless if they're allowed to or not. And like we talked about in a previous episode, we talked about how risky behaviors are part of youth development. Mm-hmm. And so whether or not you allow them to make these decisions, they're going to do it anyways. So having the support and guidance of an adult um, can really be beneficial. 
Yeah, absolutely. And with youth, it helps to, when you validate their feelings, their feelings, excuse me, it also leads to being able to empower them. So then they can start to trust themselves and have a little bit more of independence because that's the goal we're working towards. Sometimes maybe that seems a little scary of like, this person that I raise is going to move out of my home and they're going to have more independence and maybe it's more independence than we're ready for. But when we acknowledge their feelings and we validate them, it gives them the opportunity to process their emotions in a healthy manner and to be able to figure out how they want to process that. Um, it gives them the opportunity to figure out how to do that without it potentially being in an unhealthy way. If we give them some opportunities to learn how to do that in a healthy way, it's only going to benefit them and their interactions with other people in the future. Um, and when their thoughts and ideas and even their interests are respected, it gives them opportunities to trust themselves, um, which is good. Ultimately, we want them to be able to do that. And we want them to know that their interests are okay. Even if we don't exactly agree with what their interests are, they're going to be their own people. And it's important that um, I'm not a parent, but I think sometimes people forget that like kids aren't property and that we aren't just here to put things on them. So then they grow up to be the person that we hope that they're going to be. And maybe I, we need to look towards the person we want them to be as like somebody who's respectful and kind and empathetic and not necessarily the other things like they're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or they're whatever it is that you have a very narrow idea of what you want your kid to be. That pressure that people put on children to be what they want them to be, we see in The Little Mermaid how that can lead to violence. Eric is under so much pressure in both movies to behave a certain way. In the first movie, they really want him to get married. In the second movie, she really wants him to stay on the island. And because Ursula showing up gives the parents, gives the community that, like him getting married or him staying on the island, it's easy for them to overlook that it's an obviously abusive relationship, that he's not himself, that he doesn't seem happy, that he's super dazed. Because they're, he's finally fitting their ideas for him. And Ariel has a similar situation where they have, Triton has ideas for her uh, and is trying to repress her interest in life on land. And it pushes her into the abusive dynamic with Ursula where she's manipulating her and controlling her. Yeah. And piggybacking off of what you said a second ago, Kiara, um, when we are validating kids and their emotions um, and their ideas and their interests um, and allowing them to process their their emotions in a healthy manner. We It's laying the foundation for future healthy relationships mm-hmm. and setting that, that standard and normalizing what these relationships mm-hmm. are supposed to look like. Absolutely. I'm supposed to be listened to and validated and my concerns <laughs> matter and my feelings matter. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. And my interests matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I really enjoyed the change with the new movie and the way that it ended. Both of them, I believe, end with her getting married and her getting her legs so she can stay on land. But something that I also really loved about the 2023 movie was that her father acknowledges that she shouldn't have had to give up her voice in order to feel heard. And acknowledging that maybe you made this decision to go and be on land and give up your voice because you just wanted to feel heard about what your interests are and being able to go and see what else is out there beyond the ocean. That was a powerful line. So it was nice. Yeah. For him to like validate her. Yeah. Agreed. 
ever adults supporting youth just because they weren't supporting them as much as they could have doesn't mean that they can't start. Yes. Yeah. It's never too late to start having a relationship with your child or any youth in your life. It's never too late to be someone who's going to be supportive to somebody else. Like we can always decide to be better. And it models that for them to be able to learn of like, I can choose to act differently in the future. It's never too late. And I can apologize. Um, That makes it, I feel like it makes a huge difference for youth to see adults apologizing to them because Mm -hmm. I feel like it bridges that power dynamic a little bit um, and just fosters more connection, which is ultimately what we want. Yeah, absolutely. I think if anything, the movie really brought home the point how important supportive adults in youth's lives are and how dangerous it was for both Eric and Ariel when they did not have any supportive adults in their life. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, it was definitely interesting watching both movies as a person who does what we do for our job now or just being an adult that I think when I was younger, I had the perspective, of course, of like, this is a cute, fun movie. And now I'm like, I found myself like wanting to yell at the screen and be like, can somebody tell her why (laughs) they think humans are dangerous, please? Can you just empower her with some information? Yeah. Can you please have a respectful conversation and not yell at her and listen to what she's saying? Yes. Yes. It was even more heartbreaking in the remake to watch her room get destroyed because it was so beautiful and detailed and that it just broke my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> even more yeah. yeah i i i appreciate how it ends up coming around to where king triton who has is historically used to being dominant and having his way and being very controlling finally has this moment where he's like yeah. what have i done and finally looks internally and and asks himself that question like oh maybe i did make a mistake And Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that at the end, he does have a change in heart. Although I don't think he apologizes in the movie, he does end up supporting his daughter and empowering her Mm -hmm. and being willing to, like you said, you know, let let go of her in order for her to be able to have make these decisions. But also acknowledging you shouldn't have had to lose your voice for me to listen to you, which you already mentioned. So I do think that that shift was very powerful and again, is not really often shown in media and is a good example, too, of how parents can acknowledge, like, I made a mistake and I can come around and be Mm -hmm. supportive of my children. Absolutely. All right, which brings us to our prevention and action tip. Empower youth with information. Give them opportunities to make decisions, try new things, and even make mistakes. Empowerment fosters independence and gives youth a foundation to trust themselves so they can be healthier adults. It gives them opportunities to use their voice. That brings us to the end of our episode. Until next time, speak up, speak out, and be outspoken. 